When I was little, and I think the first thing I ever thought about I wanted to be when I grow up was I was sure I was going to grow up and become a professional football player for the then Oakland Raiders. <laughs> and I really was like, this is going to happen. Okay. Um, like, what is it about young kids that, like, the sky is the limit? Right? They just believe that anything is possible. I mean, I believed I could be a football player. And honestly, if I had worked really hard and trained and just put all my time and energy and hopefully my parents put money into it so that I could be, like, by the time I was in sixth grade, there was the first female uh, field goal kicker in our school uh, you know, the conference that our school played for. So see, that could have been me. It could have been real. But there's something about this belief that you can be and become anything you want to be if you put effort into it. And so for me, I actually put a lot of effort into academics. I stay up late studying. You know, I would say no to parties. Um, I didn't even have a part-time job most of my high school years because I was so focused and I put my effort into schooling. In fact, I put 23 years into schooling so that I could become a professor and a marriage and family therapist. So my guess is that you have put a lot of effort into something as well. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's your career, for some of you, you're like, I'm going to put my focus and effort into raising my family. Others of you, it's, you know, being healthy. For some of you, it might be, I want to be financially stable. So that's what I'm going to put my effort into. The reality is that where we put our effort will likely be where we have our most success. And if you're successful at something, it usually means that you've already put effort into it. So we're on the second week of a two-parter, um, Healthy Things Grow. Last week, Greg made the point that for us as believers, so spiritual growth is not optional. It's not optional because it's something that God calls us to. He tells us we need to do this. And we also see that the world is expecting that we should be changed people. Last week we learned in looking at 2 Peter 1 verse 3 that God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. So last week Greg walked us through God's part in spiritual growth. God's part is that through his power, he supplies everything we need to grow. Okay? So he has already supplied everything that we need to grow. Now, what's our part? That's what we're going to look at today. So today we'll finish up looking at this section in 2 Peter 1 to find out what is our part so read with me if you have your uh, Bibles or your apps. You can pull them out. We're going to look at 2 Peter 1, verse 5 through 9. 
For this very reason, for this very reason, meaning because God's power has already supplied us everything we need, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them in them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Join me in prayer as we look into these, these uh, passages. Father, we thank you that you have given us your power and you've given us everything we need to live a life that is pleasing to you. So Lord, we ask that you guide us today as we look at what you want us to do in partnering with you. So lead my teaching, Lord. Use my mouth. Let these words be life-giving to your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there you have it. This is our part, and we're going to look at our part in spiritual growth is to make every effort to add to our faith. So, and we're going to take those apart, but I want you to remember this little formula. Faith plus effort equals growth. Okay, so faith plus effort equals growth. In the verse, it, it says actually make every effort to add to your faith. So we're going to kind of reverse that because we're going to look at faith first. Faith is a word that we use a lot in the church, and it shows up a lot in the Bible as well. The really cool thing is that Peter actually used it as he introduced this letter to the church in Asia Minor. Um, so if we look at 2 Peter 1 verse 1, this is how Peter started his letter. He said, Simon Peter, meaning this is me, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So faith, Peter says, is something that we receive from God. And because God is righteous, he just gives it to us. So faith isn't even something we work for. So that equation, faith plus effort, one of it has already been done. The faith part, that God is the one who gives it to us. And Peter actually says to these new converts, new Christians here in Asia Minor, he's saying, your faith that God gave you is as precious, as important, as valuable as the faith that he gave to us, the apostles. Basically, it's saying my faith your faith, Greg's faith, everybody's faith 
is as valuable as anybody else's. Okay? So we all start if we believe in Jesus Christ. Because faith is to, to believe that Jesus Christ died to save you. Okay? So if you all have that faith, then we're all starting on the same page. So we all have that faith. Now the second part of the equation is the effort. So what, what is that effort? Okay. Um, effort is what we must do, what we put in. Okay. And, and Peter says, make every effort. This Greek word, effort, is translated, or it means to be earnest, to have zeal, to make haste, do it quickly, and most often it's been translated to have diligence or to supply diligence. And diligence means careful and persistent work or effort. Okay. So Peter saying, you've got to do this diligently. Okay, you have to make effort. Um, note that it's not just make some effort, right? Or make a little effort. It's make every effort. Which comes out to saying that we need to do our very best. Do your very best. Or... Give it your all, right? For us to grow, we have to give it our all, okay? Um, so this idea that our part is that we have to give it our all. And what is it that we're doing? Peter says, you already have the faith. That's great, because faith is the foundation. We have to start with faith. If we don't have faith in Jesus Christ, we really don't even have a spiritual life to speak of because we're still spiritually dead. But now that we have the faith in Jesus Christ, we start with a spiritual life. Now we have to add to it. Make every effort to add. And this word, to add, uh, means to supply or to give generously and abundantly, and to, to, to make more, right? To add to it. In the Aramaic Bible in plain English, this is how they translate this phrase. They say, bring all diligence and add to your faith, okay? So in this sh short two-part series, we won't have time to really delve into what is that process that we make effort? What is it that we do? So we can't cover that here. Um, but in some ways, coming to church, hearing sermons, attending Bible study, uh, doing social events so that you get to know people, meeting up with people for coffee, uh, doing life with others, reading your Bible at home, many of these things are part of what you do in making effort to uh, add to your faith. What we will look at today, though, is what is it that we're adding to our faith? Okay, What is it that we're adding? And the Apostle Peter actually gives us 
seven qualities that he wants us to think about. Things that he wants us to add. Now, lots of scholars have wondered, why this list? Why this seven? Okay. Paul in other areas, in other areas of the Bible, he gives lists too of things that believers should look like. Why this particular seven? Well, some people think that these seven were important to Peter and that these seven are progressive. Because we're going to notice in the verses that he says, add to faith, goodness, add to goodness, knowledge, okay? So some people believe it's sequential and that you do one first and then because you do it, it you naturally grow in the other areas. Other people would say, this is not a sequential list. These are just seven important qualities that Peter chose to say, and they're not the only characteristics. Perhaps there are many more, and he just chose these as samples or an example of what the qualities that believers should have. Um, there's another group of scholars who believe that this list of seven is a contrast or the opposite of the characteristics of the false teachers and prophets. And Peter actually wrote this letter, the second letter, to the churches in Asia Minor because there were a lot of heresies or people, false teachers were teaching the believers things that were not true. And so we'll see that in 2 Peter 2 and 3, he addresses all these false teachings and what these teachers are like, okay? I believe that's true. When you read the rest of it, you will see that their characteristics are actually opposites of these seven, okay? So that might lead us to say that if I'm not showing these seven things in my life, could I be exhibiting the opposite, okay? so. If you want to, I'd encourage you to read uh, 2 Peter 2 and 3. But let's look at these. We're just going to go through them quickly, but here's what I would like you to do. As I describe each one, I want you to think to yourself, okay, and ask yourself this question. How much effort have I put into having more of this quality? Okay, how much effort have I put into having more of this quality? Quality. So let's look at the first one. Goodness. Goodness is actually talking about moral excellence. It's also translated in some um, versions of the Bible as virtue. And it basically is the quality of doing what is right and then avoiding what is wrong. It is behavior that shows high moral standards. So when I say to you, you know, this person is really good, you have a sense of what that means, right? That they have good character, they do the right thing, okay? And usually they do admirable things, things that we would look up to and say, wow, that, that's amazing that they can do that. So goodness, how much effort have you put into adding goodness to your faith? Okay? By the way, when, when we 
get to one where your partner is, hasn't put any into their life, don't nudge them, okay? You can talk about it later and share how you're doing, but, but don't, don't implicate them, okay? So goodness. Now how about the second one, knowledge. Peter says, add to goodness knowledge. Knowledge here is not just head knowledge, but the Greek word actually means it's, it's more experiential. So experiential knowledge. It is correct understanding and application. So you don't just understand it, you also apply it correctly. Okay? And in this context, we're gonna, we saw that in, in first Peter, I mean second Peter two verses one through nine, Peter talks about knowing God a lot. So this knowledge we can say then is knowing God and Jesus. Okay. So how much effort are you putting into gaining correct understanding and then applying this understanding to your life? How much effort are you putting into knowing God in Jesus Christ? Okay. The third quality that Peter talks about is self-control. It is having willpower. Okay. It is the ability to have restraint and to have mastery over your own emotions your desires, and your behaviors. Self-control is the ability to say yes to the things that are right and no to the things that are not right. Um, it's the ability to resist temptation. Okay? So mastery. How, how much effort do you put into having control over yourself? Mastering over your emotions and your desires. Okay, so that's self-control. The fourth thing that Peter talks about is perseverance. So he says, add to self-control, perseverance. Perseverance is translated patient endurance. It means steadfastly and unflinchingly bearing up under a heavy load, not giving up during trials and suffering. So perseverance has to do with how do you handle um, hardships? How do you handle when things don't go your way? How do you handle when you're being persecuted? How do you handle when you're sick? Okay, so suffering. And perseverance, Peter then says, add to perseverance, godliness. That's the fifth quality that he talks about. Godliness is, a, is your devotion to God. It doesn't mean being like God. It actually means how much is God in your life. Um, it's living with reverence for God. It is bringing the presence of God into all your experiences of life. So how aware are you of God's presence 
all throughout the day? Are you aware of his presence in every situation that comes up for you? Okay, that's what godliness means. How much effort are you putting into your devotion to God or godliness? Okay. The sixth quality that Peter tells us to add to our faith is mutual affection. It's brotherly kindness, as translated in other uh, versions. It's, it's the word, it's the Greek word Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. Basically, it's expressing warmth and genuine care for other people. It is fervent and practical support that you give to people. Mutual affection is about liking people and having friendships with them. Um, oftentimes in the New Testament, this term, Philadelphia, Brotherly love is used to describe what believers should have for each other. That we should be like a family that cares for each other and that is affectionate with each other and that really likes each other. Okay? So mutual affection. How much effort are you putting into that? And the final one on his list, number seven, is love. And this love is unconditional, sacrificial love. This is the Greek word agape, which is how God's love is described to us, that he sacrificially gives for us. But it's basically unrestrained, unrestricted tenderness for someone else. It is strong affection and attachment that is accompanied by sacrificial acts. It is 1 Corinthians 13 in Paul's list of this is what love looks like. Okay. This kind of love is the kind of love that the world will look at believers and say, wow, I cannot believe you love like that. Surely Jesus must have something to do with this. Because it's so supernatural that it can't be you. Okay? So there's a reason why, if it's progressional, that love would be kind of the highest or the last one that Peter puts here. But regardless, it is, it is the quality that should mark us as Christians because it is what will let the world know. Jesus said, love one another. Because if you love one another, the world will know that God has sent me. It's kind of a weird, it sounds like a disconnect. But Jesus is like, no, if you love like this, the world will be amazed and they will know there's got to be a God behind that kind of love. Okay, so those are the seven. Take a moment to think through and say, you know, pick at least one and say, Holy Spirit, help me to add this quality to my character. Okay, it can be overwhelming to look at all seven and say, I have to grow in all seven right away. Uh, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. But I want to empower you to say, Holy Spirit, this is the area where I've been struggling a lot. And I need the power of God, which he's already given to me through the Holy Spirit, 
I need the power of God to be able to be more patient in perseverance, maybe. For some of you, it might be, I am, you know, everybody annoys me. Okay, God, I need more mutual affection, right? I need more affection for the people sitting around me. For some of you, it might be that you don't even really know what's in the Bible. You're like, God, I don't have knowledge of you. I have heard of you. I want to learn more who you are, and I want to actually know you experientially. I want to experience you. Okay, I don't know what it is for you, but I'd like you to look at that list of seven and choose one. And maybe today, later today, that you get together with a friend and you say, here's, here's what I'm realizing. Part of me making the effort is to actually concentrate on one of these and ask God to help me with it. Okay? Can you do that? All right. Now, these seven things, if we're adding to them, we're going to grow. So what is growth? I said earlier that faith plus effort equals growth. Well, Peter tells us, he says that if there's no growth, we, we need to add. And he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this idea that in increasing measure, it doesn't mean that you either have it or you don't. You're either persevering or you're not. Peter says, no, you keep adding to it and you keep adding and you keep adding. You get this idea that you're growing in it. Okay, that is growth. Um, Greg preached a sermon and all I took from it was I remember that we are to be more and more. Right? So this is the more and more. Are you more and more patient every year? Are you more kind than you were last year? Do you have more knowledge of God than you did five years ago? Okay, This idea that we're increasing, becoming more and more. And, and this word actually in the, in the Greek has this idea that it's not just more and more until you're full, but instead it's the more and more so that it's so abundant that, that like it's more than enough, okay? So it's not just that we want to grow a little, a little. We want to grow to the point where we're so loving and kind that the people around us just receive love and kindness from us, okay? So that idea of growing to abundance. Um, now, Peter tells us what it looks like to not be growing, okay? Because he says that we will be ineffective and unproductive. Um, those two words are kind of the same. It, it's kind of like repetition to really make the point. Or we can actually look at each one separately. But basically, being ineffective, uh, that word is used some other places in the New Testament to talk about people who are idle, like they, they're not doing anything. I would use the word lazy, but that's not the word the Bible chose. It's idle, passive, just kind of sitting there. 
okay? So you're ineffective. And then unproductive. Unproductive means there's no fruit. You're supposed to be bearing fruit, but you're not because you're just sitting there, okay? So the opposite of growing is that you are ineffective and unproductive. And notice that it is ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of God. So that you might come to church and listen, but there's nothing that comes from it. It is ineffective and unproductive. It doesn't help you know God better, and it doesn't change who you are. Okay? Um, the end result of growth, why do we want to grow? The end result is that we will be mature. Right? And that's what we hope for our kids, that they grow physically, but eventually they're going to stop growing physically. But we want them to keep growing so that they will be mature. And in Ephesians 4, verse 13, we actually find a definition of what maturity looks like. Uh, here Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. And here's what maturity is. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's another way of saying, when we're mature, we're going to be like Christ. So growth is becoming more and more like Jesus. We're going to add and keep adding to our faith so that we become more and more like Christ. And the reason why we become more and more like Christ is when we add goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. The reason why those qualities make us more and more like Christ is because that's what he is like. These qualities describe Jesus. And so as we add these to our faith, we become more and more like him. I hope you're excited about that. That you can say, you know what, next year, I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to be growing. But last week, Greg helped us to kind of diagnose, if you're not growing, here are possible reasons why you're not growing. And he gave us four reasons, which you can see up there. Today, I'm going to add two more, because Peter gave us two in the passage that we just looked at. I'd encourage you to go back and uh, watch that sermon if you weren't here last week, so that you can add it to today's uh, learning. But here's two more. One, you might not be growing because you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. This is what Peter said in verse 9. He says, but whoever does not have them, which is all these qualities, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. And what is it about forgetting that keeps us from growing? Well, this Greek word for forgetting is, can mean uh, to not remember, but it also means to lose sight of, okay? Or 
even to ignore. So Peter here is saying, you can have faith. You have been saved and you have faith. But then you go on living your life like you weren't really saved. And it's like you're, you're blind, like you just turn a blind eye to your sins. You're like, I'm not even going to call that sin. I'm not going to say that I'm mean to people. I'm not even going to call it, um, you know, impatience and that I can't persevere. It's as though you close your eyes, you shut your eyes to your sins. And he says, that could be a reason why you're not growing. In fact, he says that you have basically failed to take into account what it really means that you have been forgiven. So if you aren't growing, you might ask yourself, does Christ's forgiveness make any difference in my life? Does Christ's forgiveness make any difference in my life? Okay, so that might be the first reason, or the, actually the fifth, adding to the four before. The last one you might ask yourself is the one that we've been focusing on today. Perhaps you're not growing because you are not making much effort to add to your faith. This idea, make every effort to add to your faith. Okay? How much effort have you been giving? And we, we kind of walked you through that. This reminds me of the verse in James 2, verse 17. And in the New Living Translation, this is how James says it. Faith by itself, remember? Faith plus effort equals growth. Here's what James says. Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds it is dead and useless that's exactly what Peter said Peter said if you're not growing and you just have faith you're ineffective and unproductive okay so again faith by itself if not a accompanied by action or deeds is dead. So spiritual growth is not optional for the believer. God gives you faith and he accepts you just where you are. That's his gift to you. But he loves you way too much to leave you just as you are. He wants you to live a full life and to do that he wants you to grow and experience what these qualities are in you and to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Because he has given you everything. That means there's nothing that you need that he hasn't already given you. He has given you everything you need to live a godly life. But he will not force you to grow. He will not force you. He will bring situations to your life where you need to be more patient. He'll bring situations to your life where you're friends with someone who is really difficult to get along with. He will put you in situations where you will need to add to your faith. 
but he will not force you to add to your faith. You have to make every effort to add by putting into effect or by accessing the power that he has given to you so that you can grow and add to your faith. So I am really excited that River Life's mission statement has been expanded to bringing hope, healing, and growth to second and third gen Hmong. Can you all say that with me? Bringing hope, healing, and grace for second and third gen Hmong. Okay, so that's our mission here at River Life. Hope, healing, and growth. And then as the spiritual growth director, I get the honor and privilege of envisioning and then implementing ministries, um, programs, activities that are designed to help you grow spiritually. I get the privilege of partnering with you in making every effort to add to your faith. So I want to personally invite you to participate in the various growth opportunities that we have here at River Life as well as outside of River Life. I want to invite you to add to your faith goodness, self-control, godliness, knowledge, um, perseverance, mutual affection, love, and so much more because God wants us to be more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Um, join with me in prayer as I pray over you in your growth. God, we thank you for your great love for us that you saved us through Jesus Christ. And that faith that you gave us is a gift. So we thank you. And now, Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us to add more to that faith that next year, Lord, we can look back and say, praise you, God, for helping us, for empowering us to be uh, more godly, to be good, to be more self-controlled, to have more perseverance, to have more knowledge, to have more kindness and love for each other. Lord, would you do that for us? Would you remind us when we are being idle and unproductive? Would you spur us? Would you stir in our hearts so that we would want to be more like Christ and that we would make every effort? We thank you for your power and we thank you for empowering us to do our part. Lord, I bless everyone. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.